millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That. This is the podcast where we discuss films we think might be underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them, really. Uh, I'm Josh Hallam. I'm joined, as ever, by the lovely Alice Oliver. Alice, how are you doing? Oh, I'm very well, thank you, Josh. How about yourself? Oh, you know, you know me. <laughs> All right. Shit. Terrified. Yeah. No, depressed, I'm not, I'm not going to be honest. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to be honest, <laughs> am I? Yeah, let's get into it. No. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm very well, thank you. Very excited, as ever, because we're joined mm-hmm. by another couple of fantastic guests, actually. Uh, it's a first for us. We've never had a brother and sister on before, but we have today. We're joined by Laura and Ron from Lex Education. How are you guys doing? Yay, we're good. Do you find it vaguely creepy that we're brother and sister? Like, I'm starting to feel now like we're one of those weird brother-sister dance duos. <laughs> I mean, it depends what you like get up it. to, but uh, I don't think it's too creepy. I didn't like creepy. the pause after the word couple, to be honest. Like, they're from Somerset, but like, it's not like that. <laughs> I'm, from a, I'm from a small village myself, so I don't know. My sister could be my cousin. It could be the same person. So, uh, Yes, how are you guys? You both well? Yeah, good. Busy. Yeah. You know those, like, weeks where you... Just you kind of go, God, have I done anything fun? So I've been quite looking forward to this so that I can actually go, oh, for just an hour, I'm just going to chat nonsense. See, I'm uh, very busy at the moment and I had one weekend off at home and then used it to go so leglessly drunk that I just wasn't relaxed at all after the <laughs> after the end of it. You weren't relaxed after getting drunk. nobody's relaxed after being drunk you're filled with paranoia about Mm -hmm. like well what if I accidentally phoned everybody I like and (laughs) said awful things to them you you wouldn't have done that you would never do that but you just oh god it's that sneak texting you have to do to everybody you know to check that they don't hate you in the three days afterwards you're like I haven't heard from so and so you'd never normally hear from so and so you idiot it's got nothing to do with the gin and tonic (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Or you worry about stuff that's already happened. Oh, what did I say to that girl at the Leavers do in 2006? Anyway, so we always start with a random question uh, to get warmed up after the initial warm-up, which we just did then. Um, so this is a question from Jeanette Miller on Instagram. I'll come to you first, Ron. If a song played every time you entered the room, what would it be and why? Oh, so goodness. If, if you were like a wrestler, I suppose. The way <laughs> they uh, music, yeah. I think I'd go for the sound of silence. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not the Simon and Garfunkel song, just literal just silence. silence. Yeah. <laughs> I'd yeah, ask I for Ron to have a whole new world from Aladdin. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, that'd be great. Yeah. Can we start the meeting? Ron's on his way. Unbelievable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
and Ron just comes floating in like the princess that he is. But in it, he's in the white prince outfit. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm mm-hmm. like, guys, traffic sits down. <laughs> uh, this is a story that Laura loves to tell, and as she knows, I sang both parts, so I'd have to have white prince outfit on one side and then Jasmine. <laughs> Uh, floaty trousers on the other side. Ron at school had to sing it for a music class and then the day that they all had to sing it, no one else in his group turned up except one other person who was solemnly playing it on piano while Ron Ooh. sang both parts alone to oh, the rest wow. of the class. That's boring. Can you that picture you still did anything that, funnier yeah. you still coming did out it, of a 20-year-old boy? But you still, <laughs> you, did you still do it, though? Yeah, stood up Fair. there, belted it out. Fair play. <laughs> Yeah, respect. Like, yeah. I, I went to school in Chorley. I'd have got beaten up for that. So, <laughs> so fair enough. <laughs> uh, what, what about you, Laura? If a song played? Um, every time I walked into a room. Um, it'd be fun to have that, like... Um, that's what you want. Is that the Imperial March? It'd make everyone pay attention to you when you went into a meeting. It definitely would. The thing is, as a comedian, though, you're always walking on stage to music. So would they have to just put that every time you came on? Or would you play like Kaiser Chiefs and that together? So it'd just be a mess of noise as you walked on stage. Do you know what I mean? It'd be, it'd be... No, I think I'd ask for it to just be my music and then it would really like juxtapose against my naturally chirpy on stage persona. <laughs> <What? laughs> <laughs> What about you, Alice? Well, I didn't think about this for very long because obviously there's a lot of songs and I like a lot of the songs. So I feel like if I thought about it too long, I would have just got myself into like a spiral of thinking, no, this one, no, this one. But I think the one, it's got to be Supermassive Black Hole by Muse, right? I mean, what an intro. Like people are paying attention to that. It's like, it's sexy, it's dangerous, it's iconic. I just think I'd feel boss every fucking where I went if that was just playing. Every time I walked in the room, <laughs> gotta be that one. Uh, what about you, Josh? I'd have thought, I thought you'd have put, you'd have picked Night Swimming. Because I've actually well, seen bit... you, I've actually yeah, seen a... you walk into a room to that. Yeah, sure. But that's a bit, it's a bit like, no one's going to sit up and pay and, attention. And you were, you were, you were but... getting married on the day, so. Exactly, yeah. yeah anyway. that, was, that was just very, very <laughs> circumstantial, <laughs> that one. <laughs> what would I pick? Probably, uh, Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds, just because it's, it's iconic in it. Do you know what I mean? It's the yeah. same. Don't you want that as you leave, though? Yeah, that's got to be when true, you leave. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah good I'd, point. You can't just walk into rooms with your fist in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I just look like I'm catatonic at all times. Um, I don't know. Just, yeah. I think you might end up being a cult leader within like seconds. <laughs> but like Wayne Forrest Gump, people just follow him. People just be following yeah. him every time this guy leaves the room. <laughs> Anyway, we will move on to talking about this week's film, which is Step Brothers from 2008. So spoiler warning if you've not seen Step Brothers. If you haven't, I don't know why you're listening to this because you won't know what we're talking about. So you guys have chosen this. Have you chosen this between you or did one of you pick it or how did you come to this film? I think the, the common ground between us when it, on the film's front is is so sparse that it had to be a Will Ferrell film. Um, and then uh, we I, th- I think you said the brief was underrated films. So mm-hmm. if we were, uh, like we talked about like Anchorman and stuff, but mm. undeniably not underrated. So mm. we went for Step Brothers. Also, I don't think I've ever seen an underrated film because enough people would have had to have been talking about it for me to be aware of it and to watch it. So I'm not... Wow. Like, you guys must, like, sneak in and find cool things. They're like, oh, give this weird film a chance. Whereas 
I don't think I've ever done that. So. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's very, yeah, it's very much based on. I suppose it's very much based on taste and how how much you know about films. And if you don't watch that many films, then you're not going to come across more. Whereas mm. I would, I don't know about you, Alice, but I would like watch a film, and if I like an actor, I'd see what else they've been in, and you know, follow follow mm. lines of thought that way. So yeah, that's a good point. So you came to, you came to it together. So in that case, who wants to tell us what it's about, and who wants to tell us why you picked it? <laughs> don't make us pick now <laughs> we'll have to volunteer um, our, one of you <laughs> i'll hazard that um it's it's about stepbrothers yeah um, yes. oh, that's good the, the 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 twist is that they're older than you might have thought <laughs> yeah it's about two grown men that end up becoming stepbrothers because their parents meet at a conference and um, have a weirdly sexual relationship that leads to marriage, uh, and and then they don't get on, and then they do get on, and they help each other overcome their individual behavioural difficulties. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever had to think about the plot of Step Brothers. I think even when they were writing it, they were just no. like, "This is just what it is." Just those two actors doing that. And so you picked it because it's underrated. Then you think it's pretty underrated. I've never heard anyone else talk about it per se since no? I was like a teenager. Yeah, mm, um, mm, mm. I don't it's think it's like... definitely not up there with Anchorman and like other Will Ferrell vehicles, mm. is it? Yeah, I don't think it necessarily entered like the, the memosphere in the same way that a lot of uh, Will Ferrell films have. Yeah, no, mm. I, think, I, think, I, think that, I think that's a really good point. Anyway, we'll come into that when we get to the critical reception. Alice, had you seen this one? I had seen this one and my memory of it was very, very positive. I do remember thinking it was very funny when I saw it um, and and really enjoying it, but I haven't seen it for a few years. So I was equally excited to go back and revisit it and also nervous to see how it had aged and did I just think this was funny when I was a bit younger sort of thing. Uh, what about you, Josh? I reckon you probably had seen this Yeah, film. I'd seen it loads, to be honest. It's one, yeah. of those, it's one of those films where I can put it on in the background and still find stuff to laugh at, but also mm-hmm. not have to concentrate that much, except if you're making notes for a podcast, um, which I had to do in, in this point. So so we've all seen it. Let's get stuck into what we liked about it. So Alice, after you, what did you, what did you like about having watched it again? Go on then. So I think, so in general, I do think it's pretty funny, but with some hilarious moments. So the script, the performance and the delivery are all great from everyone. But the highlight for me is Adam Scott, right? So I haven't Mm. seen him in much, but what I have seen him in, I love him. His character is this extreme, like so hate and so hateable compared to Brennan and Dale. And he's just a delight to watch, right? So he plays Derek, who's Brennan's brother. That's Will Ferrell's character. And he's really financially successful with a wife, two kids, and this high-powered job and a nice and nice expensive things. But he acts those abs I love that I love how badly that shot is put together as well that makes it so much funnier Um, but he acts like a child as well right because he acts like this arrogant teenager like this school bully so he is just as childish as Brennan and Dale's characters but just in a different way he was such a highlight for me Um, I think as well I think it can be quite challenging for grown adults to act like teenagers without it just looking and sounding ridiculous and annoying and just feeling really disengaging but I think Will Ferrell and John C. Riley do such a great job of this, and I really enjoyed watching them. 
it also is funnier that they so they're playing a 39 and a 40 year old but they look even <laughs> older than that like there's just something about those two dudes where they just look so much older than their years so they look like two grumpy old men so then casting them in these roles is funny in itself and then also leading off from that gotta do a quick shout out for Alison Jones who is the casting director in this whose name pops up a lot for so many of the best comedies so I started noticing her name knocking around a few years ago because my mum is also called Alison Jones and then I realised that she's on the credits for some of the best comedies out there including Popstar Never Stop Never Stopping which is obviously one of my favourite films ever um, but that's the sort of my general feelings uh, about it Josh what about you what do you like about this film yeah I mean it, the main thing is it's, it's just really funny Right, I, I do think it's very funny. Some of the bits, you know, we'll get into in terms of how it's aged and stuff. Like you say, it all comes down to Will Ferrell and John C. Riley's performances. And like you said, they've done stuff to... Their performances are great, but they've also done stuff to make it even funnier, like dress them the same, dress them in clothes that are too tight, dress them like teenagers, even though they're grown men and stuff like that. They've got the same hair, they've got the same gait, they've got the same way of speaking and, and stuff like that. So their performances are funny because, like you say, they are literally teenagers who haven't aged but then what you do is to make it funnier you surround them with normal people so it mm -hmm. makes it look even weirder so that whenever they interact with a normal character so they're just like what the fuck is going on like the bit where they're having the job interviews and stuff like that it's like <laughs> they just absolutely do not know what's going on it reminded me a, a lot of good comedies do that where they, they create a little bubble around the characters and the comedy comes from when they meet people outside the bubble who are going it's like we always talk about with it's always sunny in philadelphia they do that where the, the gang in it act like horrendous but to them it makes sense but the reason it's funny is because when they meet people outside they're like what is this do you know what i mean and mm -hmm. that and that's sort of where the comedy comes from so the main two people who, who support that are the parents who, who, are, who are both very very funny in this and then like you say bigger supporting performances from like Catherine hahn and adam scott who themselves aren't they're not playing normal people, so you have that really balanced uh, feel of of normal people and melodramatic performances, which which I think is really funny. And ultimately, it's just it is just daft humor, isn't it? It's almost like a series of sketches of what if these characters were put in in these situations, and 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 that's those that just creates set pieces which which, which are funny, like the <laughs> the boats and hose scene and the interview scene and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, overall, I do I do think it's 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 really really funny. But let's see what let's see what the guys think. So Ron, what do you think about it? and what do you particularly like about Step Brothers? Yeah, I think it's just um like you say, it's it's really stupid humor. I love the way that the film escalates from a normal amount of stupid humour and what could be construed as quite a well-constructed movie where, you know, you have the setup of the, the mum and the dad and then they, they hate each other and then they love each other and then they break up for a bit and then there's just this uh, batshit scene at the end at the fucking Catalina wine mixer <laughs> um, <laughs> where they just bring it all back in. <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I think that scene really kind of encompasses what I love about this film because, like, it like it has to. And what I love in comedy sometimes is when they have the courage to not explain stuff. Mm. And like the whole lumberjack thing, this bully that makes him eat a belly full of white dog shit. Like, um, and you know, these characters don't come back. They're, there's no backstory to them. It doesn't need that. Um, but just the 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 script writing and the the performances are so funny that um, yeah. They just get away with it. Yeah, it's, it's not trying to be a highbrow intellectual comedy. It's just there to make you laugh at the the 
the stupidity of it all, the weirdness of it all. But uh, and I, th- I, th- I think it does. I still, I still think it's really, really funny. You know, for fourteen years later, God, I still remember this, <laughs> this coming. Uh, what about you, Laura? What do you like about it? There is a Christmas scene in it, so there is. <laughs> I, I think um, there's, there's my two favorite things about it are one, um, a bit like how Ron just did there, naturally talking about it. There are so many quotable lines from this film. <laughs> it's Shark Week. Um, uh, uh, are there uh, are there sofa cushions in the oven? <laughs> like it's it's so stupidly quotable. And th- this film came out just about the same time I went away. I I did um, a three month job in Lapland working as an elf in a Santa's grotto in like really northern Finland. And this film had just come out. And me and my friend Rosie just fell in love with it together to the point that we built bunk beds in our <laughs> cabin <laughs> so that we would have so much more room for activities. So there's things like that that I just think like there there there's no. F- there's not a lot of meat on the bones of the jokes in this. Like, you know, sometimes these like, these comedies made by people that find themselves in each other very, very funny can mm. often run away with themselves if there's no editor. And I don't think this one's guilty of that in many places. And then the other thing is, like what you guys were saying, um, the set pieces. Like, is there a more inexplicable but brilliant set piece than Derek's family singing in the car? <laughs> yeah. Just like that's no just context. A no that, context that, whatsoever. Yeah, it could have been dropped into so many films. You know, it's it's a drop-in moment. It's never referenced again. Um, but it turns up and it's amazing. And I think like that sort of thing where you think like this is someone's passion project. Mm. Um comes through and I, I find it very funny. Because <laughs> it's so it's the same team behind Anchorman. So it's Adam McKay, who's the director, and then Will Ferrell, obviously, and, they, and they've worked together on lo- and loads and loads of stuff. And then Adam McKay's then got on done more satires. He did Don't Look Up and um Vice with Christian Bale and, and all that sort of stuff. So to think he's gone from that, from this to that, which is <laughs> which is quite weird. But yeah. They very, I think, I think from what I know about them, that they do work quite hard on script and constructing it, but what was happening around this time in comedy and in, in American uh, comedy films was it was that time where they went, here's the concept and the dialogue. We just shoot the actors until they give up. And then right. you, end, you end up with, so things like, think of like the 40 year old virgin and all the films that came after that. It's just all knocked up. It's all like we shoot the actors because the actors are usually primarily either comedians or comic actors. And then they talk and talk and talk. And then we edit it and take the good bits out. And then you end up with like reels and reels of film and some poor editor has to go through and, and cut it and cut it and get the best version of it. But I think to come back on what you something you said there, Laura, that's where you get the people who like sometimes don't get me wrong, you get gold, but you also get the people who think I'm just gonna say whatever I want because I'm like I'm really funny and people want to see that. Whereas there is something to be said for a tightly scripted comedy. I mean both work, but sometimes the disadvantage of the other one is is it you you have to take the bad with the good. Whereas in this is you can edit it and write it and redo it and all that sort of stuff. And there's definitely something to be said with it with that in this. Having said that, I do imagine there was probably a lot of ad lib as well because of yeah. who's in it. So 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 you never know. Um, what else, Alice? What else? What else did you like about it? 
So I thought it was quite refreshing to get a, a very sexually charged scene between two older divorcees with Robert and Nancy. You know, we don't get that too often. No. It's always a couple of smoking hot 20-somethings <laughs> who have those yeah. kind of scenes written for them. And sexuality and sex for older generations does get pretty ignored in Hollywood and in film and TV in general. Um, so like I said uh, near the beginning, that I think the film is generally quite funny, but with some standout moments. And I want to draw attention to some of those moments. So on. one is when Brennan, uh, sings in front of Dale for the first time, right? He's trying to suss out if he's a good singer. Um, and it's it's hilarious because his singing voice isn't that bad, like in terms of like the pitch and the tone and that, but it's the delivery that makes it so hilarious. Like this, like this almost sort of going into a whisper sort of thing because he's thinking about it so much and he's so in love with the fact that he's singing. That was hilarious. Um, so the music video that Dale and Brennan make on the dad's boat is great and just absolutely smacks of the Lonely Island. So I just had a massive smile on my face for that whole scene. And it goes on a while. Like it feels like it is almost a full length music video. So it's not just five or 10 seconds. So I appreciate the commitment that's gone into that bit. Um, and finally, like Ron did touch on, the Catalina wine mixer, that whole <laughs> sequence is hilarious. It is so well written and so well executed. You've got Brennan singing, and I had to look it up, but it's Porti Volare, right, which is a Spanish version of a popular Italian like op operatic song sort of thing. Um, so that in itself is really entertaining, but then you've got everyone having these really big emotional reactions to him singing. And we get these sort of like dream, they're like dream-like memory sort of flashbacks slash fantasy moments for some of the main cast. And the funniest is Derek's one, so Adam Scott, where he remembers the time that Brennan helped him fly a kite. And then he lets out this sort of half laugh, half squeal of delight, where I guess he sort of realizes that he does actually he love his brother he sort of goes <laughs> like that when he has this it just fucking floored me I just could not stop laughing but that whole sequence is just so well put together and it's like the whole film is kind of like building you up to it and it's just such a brilliant climax I think to the film it is there's a relatability as well because obviously the whole joke is that they're grown-ups but they're still act like teenagers but also they bicker like brother and brothers and brothers and sisters and mm. sisters and sisters and all that sort of thing so I think if you've got siblings it, it is quite relatable you know that idea of like did you touch my drum set and all that <laughs> yeah. like it, I, I think it, I think it's it's quite relatable what about you guys as as brother and sister was there any bits that you <laughs> related to well we because we're 10 years apart. By the time oh, yeah. Ron was born, I was far too mature to fall for his bullshit. <laughs> so we've never really been that argumentative. Also, Ron was born mentally aged 39. <laughs> <laughs> Ron became an archaeologist at the age of two and just like lived in our back garden excavating weird stuff. That I don't want to take... I think I'm getting a bit too harsh uh, flack here from the woman who had a toy post office <laughs> as a child. Wow. Wanted, that. Thank oh, you very bang, much. Sorry, wanted nothing more than to just run an office. Yeah, I really did. With Once a... for my birthday, um, I was taken on a tour of Midland Bank before it became HSBC. <laughs> oh, I remember. I yeah, remember I was Midland. taken round the back and given loads of stationery and, and to help me set up my bank at home. Was it all right? Was it, was it yeah, I think I might be the only person in the world that wanted to be a bank manager when they were little and grew up to become a comedian rather than the other way around. Right. What changed, man? What happened yeah. to you? <laughs> 
<laughs> did the, did the no, we weren't that arguing. Can I just, can I take a minute to say, how good is Catherine Hahn in this oh, film? Oh, brilliant. Because yeah. this film was yeah. really way before the rest of the world discovered Catherine Hahn. Mm. Like, she was mm-hmm. just in everything, serving one million percent brilliance in every role she had and and just slipping under the radar as character actresses often do. And then suddenly in the last year, she's had a people suddenly noticing how great she is and and you half want to be like actually I've loved her since she was curling mm-hmm. um Dale up into a little ball and <laughs> put him in a vagina because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. her commitment to the performance oh. is always so clear as when well when she like, puts in her, her body leg up on that urinal <laughs> yeah yeah so so there's a bit so the version I watched that I've got it on I've got it on DVD DVDs kids remember oh, those wow. and I um I've got the unrated version so I think it's got like an extra 15 minutes. So there's a bit in it and I don't know. I've only ever seen this version. So I don't know if it's in the theatrical version, but there's a bit where they're having Christmas dinner and her and Dale sleep, sneak off to have sex. Is that in the theatrical version? And then they, that, and then they I fall think I through. I did see that They version, fall through yeah. from Double Doors and he says she's, he's fixing a tight muscle in her back. I think I have seen that it's version, pro- but no, I don't yeah. think it is in yeah, the theatrical Yeah, I've definitely one. seen it, but... But she really, like, she owns that scene, do you know what I mean? Like, her comic chops are so on point in that scene. And like you say, Laura, she's been around for, like, I don't know, it must be, like, 20 years or so, and she's only now getting the props that she deserves because of, like, WandaVision and stuff. that WandaVision that did that, yeah, yeah, But like you say, she's always, she always rocks up. She always knows the assignment. She always, like, gives everything. She's always good. And Mm -hmm. she's great in this as well because she isn't, said before she's she isn't like a normal character she is very melodramatic and she's very like you know she has some big she has some big acting to do and she absolutely nails it in this Mm. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about TV on this podcast. No, but, um, her ahead, is uh, Jen Barkley. Just TV and that. <laughs> oh yeah, Jen Barkley. Her is Jen and... Barkley in Parks and Rec is one of the best like characters oh. in any sitcom I've ever seen. She she, <laughs> she just turns up wearing the poncho. She doesn't want any of the children to touch. <laughs> or the bit where is it like she it's fifteen hundred dollars an hour and she like just walks off after an hour because <laughs> <laughs> he's done talking to it. No, she's great. She's great. And there's there's loads of stuff she's been in. She's done serious stuff as well, um, like things like Revolutionary Road, and there's, there's loads of stuff she's done. But she's she's brilliant. She's um she's brilliant. She's got an Into the Spider Verse as well. She does voice stuff in that. She's she's a female oh, Doc yeah. Ock. She's amazing in that. If you if you she's in Central it. Park on Apple TV. Which oh, is that good? Is, it's very very good. Yeah, yeah. It's like a musical from the creators of Bob's Burgers and that kind oh, of adult right. animation, but a full Ooh. musical. It's got half the cast of Hamilton in it, Josh mm. Gad, oh, Catherine Hart, oh, Kristen Bell. I have seen like, it advertised. The yes. music is beyond brilliant and there's three numbers per episode. It's so, so good. It's, so, <laughs> it's one of those ones where you're like, it's such a shame it's on Apple because nobody's got Apple yeah, TV. Got but, Apple? I don't yeah. have Apple. Can it be on Amazon Prime? It's so worth getting the free trial to Apple. Just binge For the morning that, show. Yeah. Ted Lasso in Central Park say, I, I in, in one I got it for Ted Lasso. So, <laughs> mm. yeah. And then, oh, I'll tell you what is good as well on Apple TV is, um, it, speaking of the cast of this film, is Severance. Have you seen that? No. It's, it's really no, good. That's it. Adam Scott, isn't it? Yeah, but it? it's got Adam Scott in it in the lead and he plays a serious part. But it's, a, it's one of the best shows I've seen in ages. He's really good in it. So, yeah. Anyway, it's yeah. It's all about the cones. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> back, back, back to the film. I'll tell you one thing as well. Another scene that we haven't mentioned. Let's, I'm gonna, let's talk about our favourite scenes. For me, the sleepwalking scene. Yeah, yeah. Classic. <laughs> it's all That's about good. the sleepwalking scene. Because I sleepwalk. 
As, no, you don't. I do, do yeah. You? So, well, I, oh, I sleep. Fuck. I sleep talk because I've often woken up with an elbow in my ribs from my oh, other shit. half telling me to shut up. <laughs> you can't wake a sleepwalking person. <laughs> um, but de- I have definitely slept walked, but more when I was a kid and stuff. What? What about? Oh, what about you, Alice? Do you have a favorite scene? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Me? Yeah. It's just the whole of the Catalina Y mix. When he starts singing, <laughs> when he starts singing in the Catalina Y mix, it's just, it, it's beautiful, it's absurd, it's wacky, it's hilarious, and it, it just doesn't... Like there's such a risk of it going on too long and becoming sort of too tired and and just like oh, I'm bored of this joke now. But you you never get there. Like it just gets funnier and funnier and funnier. I get. I think like we've talked about before when films overdo the joke. Sometimes it just really falls flat, and other times it makes it even fucking funnier. Mm. And I think in this, that's kind of what happened there with the Catalina wine mixer. Mm. But yeah, the whole thing just. <laughs> what about so funny. what about you, Laura? I think highlights. it's got to be the singing in the car. Bow, bow, I'm Derek, and I can sing high. It's so unnecessary and inexplicable, and those children are creepy, and Catherine Hart's uncomfortableness, you're flat, you're so flat. The singing lessons, you're so flat. But simultaneously, um, you know exactly what that family is like. Yeah, after, yeah, 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 yeah. I just it I gives think away it's so much. Yeah. It's funny, yeah. isn't it? Because it's like they're trying to give, they're trying to give that idea of being the perfect family. They're like they're like trying to be like Ned and Maud Flanders, but actually he's a bell end. Like he's a, <laughs> he's a proper prick. But it's also it's so nice to see Adam Scott in that role. You know, he he's so often playing your cute, sweet 
Like, ah, yeah. do do, and like this was the first thing I saw him in. I think. same, same. So then, when he pops up as Ben Wyatt or somebody utterly mm. lovable and everything else, you're like, wait a minute, that's Jerry. <laughs> yeah, no, I had the exact same thing. I couldn't get it. I couldn't get on board until I watched more Parks and Rec that he was like mm. this likable everyman type guy. I was like, you're a dick. Like you're the you're the dickhead brother from from Step Brothers. But uh, yeah, what about you, Ron? Have you got a, a favorite scene? I mean, Ed. I would have said their Catalina wine mixer as well. So I'll narrow in on a specific part of it. Um, the, the bit with the dad where the dad kind of turns and then he tells that story about pretending to be a dinosaur and chasing oh, yeah. the local cats around. Because <laughs> I think out of every quote in the movie, that's the one that me and my friends used to shout at each other is stop being a fucking dinosaur and get a job. But, but also that scene gives you some insight into... Well, maybe he isn't normal. Maybe he is quite weird, and that's why his son's quite weird. Do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> like, he wanted yeah. to be a dinosaur. I just love with this film that, like, the solution wasn't for them to just grow up. Um, like, it was for just, like, them to kind of go halfway and, like, and, you mm. know, do get a life, but also keep all of this childish shit that they like. And I think that's kind of the moment in the film where, you know, that door kind of opens to, you know, they don't just have to cook and... Yeah, it's, helicopters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's about yeah, it's about the, it's about finding a middle ground, isn't it? Which is, which is interesting because quite often comedies have do have that trajectory of like, and then he realizes that blah 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 blah, and and this isn't one of those like like you say. I think what's it? What one thing is this is everyone I've spoken to about it because. I would be. I would have been about seventeen when this came out, so I was like prime cinema going age for and target audience for this for this film. And everyone I know has a lot of affection for this film, but I don't think it's the sort of comedy you'll never see in any like top comedies. Mm. But then we've talked about this before, haven't we, Alice? Like a lot of the top comedies are always like quite highbrow and quite like intellectual comedies, whereas I think a lot of the cinema going or film watching audience want to see stuff like this that's just really stupid really daft and you can just shut off and enjoy the absolute ridiculousness of it i mean what do you think about that alice yeah yeah i mean i because you, you can do ridiculous stupid humor really well and as long as you've got a good script and the and the, it's so much of it is to do with the delivery as well mm. which is just something that they nail in this so it's, they, they we know them now obviously as big powerhouses of comedy and they just kind of they all meld together so well in that film. And I think Will Ferrell, he's just... I mean, he could carry anything, I think, really. Yeah. Have yeah. you watched... I mean, you must have done, but the... um, uh, oh, What's it called? Something like the stories behind the movies or something on Netflix where they talk, they cover Elf and how hard it was to get Will Ferrell approved as the leading man for Elf because no one knew him as the, him. the vehicle for a yeah. film yet so th that was fascinating then watching it now and going whoever was saying that must be like i'm stinky at my job <laughs> this guy I have, um, this nobody <laughs> i haven't seen it but i do know about that because i equally know about them then afterwards begging him to do another one Ooh, and, him, really? and, and, and him being like i cannot do that again <laughs> like that took so much energy like I feel like it will kill me if I do another one wow, yeah. <laughs> because it, he's so I mean Elf's just up there isn't it as one of the one of the best Christmas films and it's it's aged like a fine wine yeah that mm -hmm. that, that mm -hmm. film I yeah I absolutely love Elf my favourite Will Ferrell story is um, he talked Kristen Wiig into starring opposite him in a completely serious like Hallmark movie it's just a drama and 
like it, it's not a comedy at all, but he just wanted to do it as a meta comedy bit because it's really funny watching Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig play a very serious part in a very low budget movie. <laughs> I haven't even seen that. What's was this it? film called? I want to watch that. I can't remember. I don't know what it was called. I just heard about it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, go, well, we'll Google it and we'll put it out when the episode comes out. Kristen Wiig's another one. Like, what an what absolute powerhouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll move on then to talking about things that we perhaps didn't like about the film or that we would change about the film. I mean, is there much, Alice? Have you got much for this section? So there's only one thing really, and I don't even know if you could class it as a dislike, but it's just something that I've noticed, especially when you compare it to other comedies. Uh, So it just, it looks unremarkable. So like the costume, the sets, the props, the locations, mm. everything is just really mediocre. Like if you think back to the, the other comedies we've done, especially things like Vacation or Popstar, they're really visually impressive in a variety of different ways and are really engaging in that sense and a real treat for the eyes in the way that they use props, sets, costume, locations, etc. So I think that was definitely missing from this. But the caveat to that is obviously the focus here is on the script and on the performances. So it is like saying these guys can literally just be in like T-shirts, three quarter lengths and some fucking sandals. And it's still going to be one of the funniest <laughs> things you've ever seen. So there's real, it's it's kind of like, like I don't really give a shit, think, but it's just something that I noticed. And if I was going to comment on something, then that would be the thing. Do you think but that's on really purpose though? Because the whole—I don't know. It—it just—it feels—it feels a little bit like it feels indie. It feels yeah. kind of low budget, um, and it just feels like they weren't going for. They're not going for the sparkle. They're not going for like the wow factor in terms of you know this isn't meant to be like a visual delight. It's literally mm. just here's a great script performed really well by some really funny actors. Enjoy sort of thing. Mm. And if you can still enjoy it, even though it's lacking all those kind of visual stimuli, then they've nailed it, right? So. I'm kind of like, meh, I'm just just sort of like looking for things here to keep a balanced argument. But when you think about something like Vacation, like so much effort has gone into the props in that film and into the location design. So when you sort of appreciate a film in that regard and you think about those sort of films that you haven't got that to appreciate in this film, but there are so many other things to appreciate. Doesn't put me off the film. Isn't something I disliked. But it is something that I noted. Uh, but that was it, really. This, this was this is pretty much a hit with me. Um, what about you, Josh? Anything you didn't like or you would change? Uh, well, there's, there's two things. One of them isn't really a film's fault, which is it's one of those films from about between 2000 and 2010 that has instantly aged with its use of language because of the way things have moved on socially in the last oh, sort of yeah. 10 years, which, <laughs> which I'm not yeah. one of those people who looks back and is like, God, <laughs> fuck that film because of this. And this yeah, you, you, just, you have to look back at it and go, that's what the lang- that's what that's what language was. It's not on, shouldn't be yeah. used now, but you know, move on from it, that that sort of thing. So there is an element of that, a few sort of slurs and, and things like that in there which aren't as acceptable anymore. But the problem is is they stand out loads mm. now. Like Yeah, like, when you hear it again, you're like, Oh you're like, shit, yeah, I forgot like, we used to yeah, use that word like, pretty liberally. Yeah, yeah and, yeah. and it really anyway, you know, there's a, there's a particular gay slur in it that is um used at least three times. And it's a bit like, oh, God, that's not okay. And it's only 14 years later. But things do happen, and at least it's better now. Do you know what I mean? I can't can't really say much more on that. And the other thing is, is there's the odd bit for me, and I'm going to sound like an old man now, where it strays a little bit into the juvenile for me. Mm -hmm. You know what I've said before? I'm not a massive lover of fart jokes. So there's a a couple in there I'm like, 
it just, it just, I just don't find it that funny. It's not offensive or anything like that. I just, it just sort of don't have a reaction to it. It's, 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 yeah. But, but other than that, no. How, how did you feel about the testicles on the drum kit? That doesn't bother me because I just think that's really mm-hmm. daft. Do you know what I mean? And the fact I thought it was quite funny. And, and what's more impressive <laughs> is that's like a ten grand prosthetic bollock. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. Did he not just whip his own yeah. out? <laughs> yeah. So someone in the prop department's been like, you. So what? What you're doing today is making a fake Will Ferrell bollock. Am I? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we're going to use it in the scene. Great. But the, how was your work? How was your day at work? Well, let me tell you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, but no, nothing, nothing other than that, really. What, what, uh, what about you guys? I'll come to you first, Ron. Was, was there anything you particularly don't like about the film, or is it just a hit for you? Yeah, I mean, the the language definitely. Some of it is a bit of a clangor um, yeah. these days, and like I think you know, obviously. Um, you know, and especially some parts of it is used by the characters you're not supposed to like, but then people do just emulate that in yeah. real life, no matter who's kind of saying it in a film. Um, and I think um, the um, I, I, if I had to nitpick, I think some of the um, uh, the sort of yes ending in the in the in the you know the the build on scenes that we were talking about, you know, like in the in the sleepwalking scene and stuff, like maybe yeah. goes a little bit too far. Mm. Um, but that's you Man know, has uh, no penis. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cool. Oh, you Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's 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 me answering this question because you've asked me it, not because yeah. Of well, that's it. That's it. We, we we always try and fact when we do the episodes without guests, we always try and give a balanced you know account of it. But sometimes, especially if you've been invited on and you've picked a film, there isn't anything you don't like about it, you know, and that and that's fine. There are films that that I would say the same thing about, but it's it's difficult, isn't it, to, to find stuff, especially when you've got an attachment to it. What, what about you, Laura? Is there anything you you don't like or we'd change? Uh, really similar to you, I think, Josh, in that it maybe two to three times in the whole film strays into that sort of frat boy comedy yeah. that really doesn't appeal to me. Um, like being a teenager through that era of like American Pie and all that gross mm. out sort of very male for male. I think they forgot that we were watching films as well as men for about 10 years. So like, oh, I don't like the testicle bit. I just find mm. it a bit like, oh, why? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, that bit. Um, there's some bits, I think partially what Ron's saying with the yes ending. I think it's after the fight on the lawn. Um, and they, a trigger warning here for sexual content but they um they they, i honestly thought he was gonna rape me yeah and again it's just a little bit into that Mm. machismo machismo i don't know how you say it 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 doesn't add anything does it It doesn't add anything to the film it's just there because it's like well i can say this so i'm gonna say yeah it's that one-upping a little bit and so there's like maybe two or three moments that just slip into that where i go Oh, I've remembered you're not making this film for me. I just happen mm. to like it, which was a sad byproduct of a lot of films of my teenage years. No, yeah, same, same. There's definitely there is definitely that element, and also it, things sometimes happen with these films of like where certain elements of uh, different types of people get hold of it, and you're like, oh, I wish you didn't like this. Mm. No, I, I felt yeah. like, felt I can't like it, but like it's like I felt like that happened with Peaky Blinders. Like I know that's a TV show, and I was like, I remember watching it being like, this is quite a subtle, interesting drama about post-world war one and then and then it got popular and they went slow motion walking that's it it's just smoking slow motion and i was like <laughs> oh where's the like ptsd stuff and like the low level working class stuff but you know they're gonna make money at the end of the day so <laughs> these, these things happen 
Okay then, so we'll move on to talking about the critical reception then. So we'll have a little look at it and see if we can figure out if we think it is underrated. Alice, how do you think it did? It's a tough one, it's a tough one to call, I think, this. Well, I, I've got to uh, hold my hands up and say I have seen a couple of the scores. So you right? cheated. Yeah, that's to, fine. Well, yeah. I didn't cheat. I didn't you do it on purpose. But, no. but I had to watch this one on Google Play, of all things. And when you buy something on Google Play, the Rotten Tomatoes score comes up. So I was like, fuck's sake, you just ruined the podcast. So <laughs> I, I, I've seen that, so I'm not going to say you anything. You could have borrowed it off. Um, you could have done that thing so, where I go, I, I've got it on DVD, and you go, remember, I don't have a DVD player, it's 2022, and I go, oh, yeah. And then... Yeah. <laughs> Literally nothing, no disc drive in this house whatsoever. <laughs> See, I bought a spare disc drive so that when I'm travelling in winter, I can oh, watch smart. my Christmas films that are all on DVD. Yeah, you see. Very smart. smart. Always good, be though. prepared. Mm-hmm. So, well, okay then. Let's let's ask you guys then. How, how do you think it did critically, or do you know? I have no idea. I I have no sense of that sort of thing. Mm. I'd imagine it probably got um, two stars in the Guardian and <laughs> um, read like a three. Uh, and it was fine for people that liked it and people that didn't like it, didn't watch it because you don't watch something with Will Ferrell and John C. Riley in if you don't like mm. their sort of stuff. So that would be my guess that it scores mm. quite highly on viewer ratings, but comedy, ne- like screwball comedy like that never gets critical acclaim because mm. tragedy is the only thing that's hard to do, isn't it? That's it. That's it. What about you, Rod? How do you sort of think it did? Yeah, I reckon it's going to be like maybe a low 40s on Rotten Ooh. Tomatoes, if that. Wow. Like, I think it's going to be, yeah, because I think, um, yeah, I think some of the stuff that we've said, like the the more extreme bro comedy elements of it, I mm. think the, the people that will rate stuff down for that, that will stick in their mind and affect the scores. Okay, okay. Let's have a look then. So, at the time of recording, so we do IMDb and then the two Rotten Tomatoes scores, that's how we do it. So IMDb, it gets 6.9 out of 10. Then the audience on Rotten Tomatoes give it exactly the same. They give it 69%. And is, then, is this good? Sorry to interrupt. It's, uh, it's okay. Well, that's, and That's okay. That's okay. But it's bigger than four. It's, it's bigger, bigger than, than four, four which is what Ron yeah. thought it might that's, be. So yeah. that's quite good there. And then the critics on Rotten Tomatoes give it 54%. So if you add those together and average them out, it gets 64%. That's that's what it gets. So quite middling. But I must say, I was really surprised at that. I thought it would be a bit high, more highly rated, particularly by the audience. So I'm going to I'm gonna say underrated. What about you, Alice? 64%. <sighs> I think 64 is probably appropriately rated really? for me. I think, yeah, yeah. I think the I think the critic score is a, a little bit harsh. And I think when you're giving it a score like that, you are ignoring uh, some of the stronger performances and some of the stronger elements of the script. Um, but I think to be in this, that sort of middle six is like, I think I would have given it, I would have sat with that audience score probably mm. at the 69 or the 6.9 on IMDb. But I think sort of middle six, I I. I do think that's appropriate okay. for what it is, personally. Okay. What, what do you guys think? We'll come to you first, Laura. Is 64% underrated? Yeah, I think it is, because I think for what it sets out to be, which is stupid, quotable, uh, it's very good at that. And I mm. think some of the choices that they've made are quite quirky, like the, the abs and the testicle being ridiculous. <laughs> like, <laughs> they've made conscious fire. choices with that. Um so, yeah, I think in terms of it achieving what it set out to achieve, I would have given it like 
high 70s into 80s maybe wow high praise indeed what about you what about you Rom yeah definitely I mean like if if we're lining every film ever made up in a line maybe 65% or you know 65% along the line isn't unfair but I think you do need to rate things you know through the lens that they were meant to be watched and in that case I think yeah in, in the 80s 100% there are better comedies like this, but it's pretty damn good. Name them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If we're going underrated Will Ferrell movies, I think that The Other Guys is damn near flawless. It is oh, on yeah. my list. Funny. It is on Is that the one with the super problematic guy, though? Is that got Mark Wahlberg? Yeah, in? yeah. It does Don't have... We sort of hate ra- him a lot, yes. though, for me, like, uh-huh. willfully beating but people. There's a section of the podcast for that, Laura. We say the bits we change. We change Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> oh, it's okay. fine. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the, so, the other, I, so I love the other guys. It's up there with my top comedies, and it's actually on my on my podcast list. So I will definitely. Steve cover. Coogan in that is oh, so the bit where so he just funny. he keeps offering them bribes and they keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so it's amazing. Jersey Boys <laughs> or Mamma Mia. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I would I would say I prefer the other guys to this, but I still back to, back to the critical reception thing. I think for me this is this is underrated, and that's that's Alice has got no soul. She thinks it's horrible, so so we'll say underrated. Yeah. Three, the other guys, three to one. <laughs> that's absolutely fair. I totally so get it. There you go, underrated. Thanks for coming on. Hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, I've had a great time. I've never felt more knowledgeable about films than I have for this hour. I love it when you just talk about one and I've seen it. <laughs> um, well, where, where, so obviously you guys are from are from, uh, uh, from Lex Education. Tell us a little bit more about it. Where can people find it? What's the general concept if the people don't know? Uh, so you should be able to find it wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Lex Education is, I am trying to learn GCSE science from Ron. <laughs> How's it going, Ron? Yeah, trying going, Ron? being the optimal <laughs> word, both verb and adjective. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> great at science or concentrating. Um and so we're doing our best, but Ron's not a teacher and I'm not a student. <laughs> so um, it's, uh, it's if you like a mixture of arguments, science facts and um, bad, um, what are they called when you don't know the facts so you make up a story for it? Analogies. Like Analogy, or, that's yeah. the word, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> All I could think was allegory and I was like, no, that's like a fable or something, isn't it? <laughs> Analogy, yeah. If you like analogies um, for stuff, I kind of did an analogy then for analogy. Um, you, you could then do, you could do an allegory, though, couldn't you? You could, you could do it. What's Pythagoras' theorem? There's a mouse and a lion, and he's got a splinter in his paw. But no, so I've been, as I said to you before we started recording, I've been slowly working my way way through it. I think I'm a couple in now, and it's I. So I very much sit with more with in the Laura camp in terms of I'm listening to stuff, going, what is the point? Like I don't, I don't, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't go in. Like when I did my science GCSE, I, I, I revised harder for science and math than I did for anything else. And I got worse marks, but I had to do it, you know, just, just to get into college. So will you sit an exam at the end? Yes, we're still working. Right. Well, Ooh. the thing is the end 
originally, when we first started doing this, we were like, we obviously, like you guys will know this from doing this podcast, you want your podcast to have longevity. Yep. There's loads of films, you can do this podcast indefinitely. So we sat down and we're like, well, when we get to the end of GCSE though, what will we do? And sort of brainstorming ideas. And then the more episodes we do the more we realise we might just be doing this forever. Because, like, especially with the physics, which is the stupidest of the three mm. strands, there mm. are episodes where we get through one to two lines <laughs> of, of the curriculum. Um, so, yeah, we the plan is to sit an exam. We don't quite know how we're going to format that. To It might end up being like a a performance piece where we hire an exam hall and I sit in the middle and do the exam as people file through and watch. <laughs> do a like live like in- installation art. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think well, how maybe to, we sell how tickets and the... people can come and sit the exam alongside that, me. I, I think that's a great <laughs> idea because you can make a fringe show out of that. Do you know what I mean? Like people you just guess. doing the science <laughs> thing. Like, or, like you say, it's one of those things if it goes and goes, 10 years' time, I've got visions of you. Right, PhD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like you say so available wherever you get podcasts do make sure to, to check that out but what's so obviously Laura if people don't know you you are you are a stand-up comedian what what else have you got going on what else could people look out for um you can look out for my other podcasts so if science doesn't interest you uh, I also do one called the National Treasures podcast which is me and my buddy Will Duggan go on nice days out and record our day out and so it's kind of like going to a National Trust place but you don't have to drive there or take a picnic or have a ticket um and I've written a couple of books but this is a film podcast so I you know books oh, well, yuck. Let's, uh, let's... well it's it's just films and that so did we did we call it that so that we could throw any old shit in? Yes. So what, so what? Tell us tell us about the books then. Tell us about tell us about them. I think one They're of them, some of our more local listeners, will be particularly interested in. Yeah, one of them is um, called Clop, actually, and it is the diary of my fictional, I have to say for legal reasons, marriage to Jurgen Klopp, the Liverpool football manager, <laughs> who I fell in love with for his sensible nature. Um, mm-hmm. And <laughs> yes, Alice, yes. Big fans of Klopp in this house. <laughs> yes. Well, I've written a diary of what it would be like to be married to somebody so sensible. So if you like silly, light um, laughs, that book is out and wonderful. And then I have written a novel called Pivot, which is about a woman who is lonely and bored and sad and so turns to netball to see if it is the answer. So if you learn that ball at school and then spent the rest of your life thinking, why the fuck did I have to learn that while the boys got to learn football, then that novel might be well up your street. And available wherever you get your, your books. Books, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Book, shops and the wherever internet. You get and your that. books. Yeah. <laughs> as they said then, we'll put links to all that stuff in the episode. We'll do some stuff on the social media as well when this comes out. Laura and Ron, thank you so much for joining us. It's, it, it's been great to have you on. Thank you for oh, having thank us. Thank you so much for having us. Well, there we go. Another guest episode done and another film in the underrated category. And I think rightly so, even though Alice has no sense of humour. Oh, uh, shots fired. <laughs> but uh, no, obviously, thank you so much to Ron and Laura for coming on. Make yes. sure you check out their stuff. Lex Education. Look at Laura's stuff on the social medias. Look at her books, wherever you get your books and that. Um, yeah, books check all that. the stuff. Oh, new, oh, new podcast yeah. idea. Um, check, all, check, check all the stuff out. Uh, we'll put links to it. We'll put post stuff when this comes out. But yeah, check it out. It's all good stuff, really. Um, well, Alice, 
It's your mm-hmm. turn to pick next week. It is so, indeed. What? Go on. What? What's it gonna be? Mm, what we, what I think. I'm, I'm. You know what? This is one where I'm so super interested to see what you think of it. You oh, may have God. seen it. You may not have seen oh. it. But I reckon I'm going to get an interesting response from you. So the film that we are going to be watching for next week is Wicker Park. Wicker Park. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'll say no more. And as ever, we shall say no more. So, Mm -hmm. uh, well, then join us next week when we're going to be talking about Wicker Park. Uh, In the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch with us, it's filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. We're on all the social medias. Search for Just Films and That and you'll find us. We're also on the television, aren't we, Alice? We are indeed. Every Friday from 6pm, you can find me and Josh talking about our favourite underrated and underseen films on the local TV network. So if you live in Bristol, Birmingham, Leeds, Liverpool or the northeast of England, you can find us on Channel 7 on Freeview. Or if you live in North Wales or South Wales, you can find us on Channel 8 on Freeview. Or if you have Sky and you live anywhere in the UK, you can find us on Channel 188. That is every Friday from 6pm on the local TV network. Yes, there we are. Lots of ways to hear us and see us, aren't you lucky? And as ever, thank you very much for listening. We do always appreciate your support. Until next week, it's goodbye from me. Cheerio! Bye! The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.